tinfoil hat. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Global controls will have to be imposed. And a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to tinfoil hat. We go deep, homeboy. Open your mind. The revolution will be podcasted here live. In sunny Burbank, uh, welcome Tim Foyle Hat. You know who I am. You know what I'm here to do, okay? Join me as always is XG and the place to be. We are live. Uh, this show is for the people, okay? For the people. I uh, just want to say what a wonderful time it is to be alive. And I hope you're enjoying your, your, your spring to your summer. It's a great time. You should just... Look at the positives in life and enjoy that because we got a lot of stuff going on. We got some dates coming out here, man. We got some big dates coming out. Uh, next Tuesday is another Comedy Chaos Live brought to you by our good friends at abx.org. Go to abx.org. Uh, that is absolute extract. And they are our friends. They are the top shelf of weed. We are talking the Nike, the Reeboks, minus the sweatshops. We're talking for the people, by the people. It's all about the people. We got everything. We got vape pens. We got the flower. We got stuff for your, I mean, like, I'm working on boner pills, caffeine pills. You name it. We're going to get going. All that weed and more. Get it while you can. Okay. Uh, buy them, support them, anything they want. They are the biggest ones and they're only getting bigger. Okay. So, uh, they got a giant, giant warehouse where they're doing mad experiments on some weed and they're only trying to get it better. They got stuff for the ladies, for the guys, you name it. You got it. I'm going to work on a boner pill slash THC combo. Okay. High and hard. That's what it's going to be called. I hope you enjoy that. So go with that. And that is, we already have Joey Diaz booked, Eddie Bravo booked. We're, we got Steve Renazizi booked. Okay. That's just show one. And then we're going to have a second show. Josh Wolf. I'm putting together a crew of murderers. So I hope you guys come out. These shows will sell out. So grab your tickets real quick. We give out weed. We give out donuts. We give out, what else do we give out? A, a, tons of stuff. You name it. You leave happy with a smile on your face. Go to the comedy store. Com. Then, after that, it is the Alien Shot JFK Tour of Texas. That's right. It's myself, Eddie Bravo, XG, and the place to be. We are 14, on the 14th of June. We are at Plano. We're at Hyenas. That's an 8 o'clock show. Go grab your tickets there. And then the second show, the next night, we are in Houston, and we're at our old stopping grounds, the Seeker Group. And we're going to all go to a strip car club with hot black ass. That's the goal. You've been uh, saying that, Sam. You've been saying that. Well, they probably did one with Asians last time. I'm like, this is, what is this? What is this? Rush hour? No. I want 
elite black ass. That's what I'm looking for, and we're going there. So come join us, and then we'll all go afterwards and enjoy some ladies, and we'll help some single mothers pay their bills. Okay, so that is that is on the 15th, and then the next week, the two 20th. weeks after that. No, the 20th, the week after. The 20th, Yeah, we're at Skank Fest. All right, myself, XG, we're doing a show with Tim Dillon there, so that's going to be great. And then we're proud to announce that July 6th, Tim Fall Hat Comedy Night is making its way to uh, Huntington Beach at the awesome Rec Room. Uh, go there. You go to the RecRoomHB.com and grab those tickets. I have a feeling that's going to sell out very quickly. Yeah, and you can get your tickets now. You can get them now. Grab them now. It's going to sell out. So Grab them now. So Sleep on it. That's it. New t-shirts are available. Go to TinFallHatTshirts.com. Grab those t-shirts right now. There, okay, look at that. You got loyal to the foils up, okay? Uh, some Ronin shirts, some Samurai shirts, you name it. They're all there. Great way to support the show. Also, if you want to support the show, go to the Patreon. Go to patreon.com backslash tinfoilhat. And uh, I'm putting up n- new content there. All- Two things a week. I'm doing I'm doing uh, Conspiracies Now, the world's worst, greatest public access show. And then I'm going to get back to doing the... Uh, the Mad Hatter stuff. And I also put out a live stream on there. I'm going hard in the paint on Patreon. So join us there. It's a great way to support the show. A great way to support me is to go check out my my YouTube. Go to my YouTube, uh, youtube.com backslash Sam Tripoli and check out my specials for free. You can see them for free now on my YouTube. Just put in Sam Tripoli stand-up specials. Sam Tripoli stand-up. It will come up. Armageddon and Zero Fucks are available for you for free. Check them out. And when you see the, uh, the hour of power, I hope you guys will come and join me. And finally, today's show is brought to you by our good friends at BetDSI. Go to BetDSI. Use the promo code HAT100. And you will get uh, whatever you deposit. They will match up to $500. Now, if you take the bonus, you have to gamble so much money to get that money out. If you don't take the bonus, okay, you can gamble once and get your money right out. Uh, they're longtime sponsors of all my podcasts, and we're very thankful to have them. And they've re-upped, so we're going to do it some more. Great time. We got the NBA Finals, UFC, Boxing is insane oh right now. You saw that shit? Dude, congratulations, <laughs> Mexican right? man. I know. Everyone's all hyped up. There. Every Mexican acting like they Gabriel knew the Gabriel Iglesias guy. Yep. killing it, dude. <laughs> everyone's acting like he's your cousin. Yeah, everyone's like, I know that guy. Every fat guy's like, oh, you see? Yeah. I don't want to lose weight now. I normally am anti-bitch tits on my fighters, but I'm very happy <laughs> he won. So congratulations to all the Mexicans. We know a lot of Mexicans listen to the show. So it was a great, great day in Mexican history. But go to Bet the Asylum. Man, use the promo code HAT100 and they will match whatever you deposit. Okay, so that is the bills. What time's it at? There, uh, seven. seven minutes, seven minutes, but it's all important stuff. I hope you didn't skip it because we're coming to a city near you and you're not gonna know. And then, guess what? We're not gonna be able to come to your city again because you didn't show up. The only way we come back is if you come support the show, see us live, and watch us rock hard. Uh, speaking of rock hard. Our next guest. <laughs> our next guest is on what I think is the mo- one of the most important news channels out there. It's on uh, YouTube. It's uh, you can find it on your cable. It's RT News. Uh, he's an expert in the global economy. Please welcome Max Kaiser, everybody. How are you, Max? Yo, Sam. Great to be on. I just ordered. Uh, you know, I want to get 
kind heart too, like anybody else. Yeah, and yeah. I gotta repeat the sponsor, man. That sounds excellent, like an excellent product. Yeah. I can't believe you're not doing a billion dollars worth of that business. I mean, that sounds like something to retire on right there, buddy. Thank you, dude. And that's from a financial expert. He thinks my yeah, business. No, I'm, I'm seriously. This could solve the Americans' uh, trade deficit and uh, fiscal deficit if we sell enough high and hard product. I mean, we're gonna be uh, right there with the fiscal surplus. Yes. Dude, yes, finally, yes. finally, somebody has my vision, a weed boner pill. It will be so big. It will literally. Yeah, no, I mean, you can't miss with this. You're combining um, <laughs> two of the most important elements in the economy today. People, of course, if they don't get hard, you won't have an economy because the economy is based on people basically chasing women, chasing sex. And if you're not hard, there will be no economy. And of course, you need to you need to be high all the time, for, you know, for that inspiration to go chase after the opposite sex. So, I mean, this is an economy solver. Yes. Max Kaiser, you are my spirit animal. Okay, you are my spirit animal. So, listen, uh, before we get into, um, I want to talk about RT News real quick. There is a lot of people who push back on it. I know when the show first started, it was like we were like 2016 and we were kind of getting into the election and, you know, Lee Camp was doing some great reporting on election fraud and the big pushback was, oh, he's on RT News and that's that's basically ran by the Rus- uh funded by the Russian government. And I go, but is the information not real? Is it not right? Unlike our mainstream media, which is funded by the military-industrial complex, the intelligence community, uh, big pharmaceuticals, and I list them individually, but they're most likely the same people, uh, who funded by that, who've been caught lying over and over and over again. As someone who's on RT News, what is your response to that, I, what I think is a ridiculous statement? Uh, yeah, well, you said you wanted to cover this quickly. I don't know why you would want to cover it quickly. You told me you've got a freaking hour <laughs> you got it for 60 minutes. Yeah. I mean, we have to drag this out. We you're have to all- make this, you know, stretch it out as much as possible. You've been on the show so, five uh, minutes, and you're already my favorite guest. <laughs> Well, that's great, man. I hope to see you in Los Angeles. You know, we're there once a month, and Anytime, I checked out your videos. I thought the uh, performance at the uh, Viper Club uh, was outstanding. It's uh, uh, really funny stuff. But anyway, to get to your question. So with RT, you know, we've been on there for 10 years, and uh, when we started, it w- nobody was paying any attention to Russia at all. And, um, you know, then suddenly uh, politics changed, and um, particularly now when Hillary Clinton lost in 2016, uh, you know, some there was a scramble to kind of find a scapegoat to this. So the, the Democrats were unwilling to admit that she just ran a horrible campaign. So they made up this whole story about Russian uh, influence. And then we had this major investigation with Robert Mueller, et cetera, it went on for two years then they came out with the conclusions and they said, well, we concluded there was nothing really there. It was all smoke. And that still was didn't satisfy the people trying to apologize for Hillary. And the Democrats have lost a lot of political capital. They've, lost, they've wasted two years. You know, we've said, I've been observing this, as you point out. I do my show on RT, so I, I'm pretty 
close to observing how the media operates in Russia, how it operates globally. I've done uh, television for many international outlets all over the world, including the BBC, France 24, uh, Al Jazeera English. I did a lot of shows for them, uh, RT. So I've seen this global news uh, business now for 10 years. And, you know, I've been saying for years that uh, this whole uh, Russiagate hoax is going to end up going nowhere. Uh, it's just to make Hillary, you know, look good, uh, try to uh, come up with an explanation for her loss. And, you know, once you leave the U.S., nobody, it, once you leave New York and Los Angeles, like I went on two cross country trips. And I did two shows, one with Stephen Baldwin, where I traveled from Los Angeles to uh, the East Coast, and then did another trip from Los Angeles down to Florida, cross-country trips, talked to hundreds of people, probably thousands of people overall, and, and nobody mentions Russia. It's not a, it's not a topic for them. They, they don't, they're not fooled by this. Nobody cares about this. It's, it's all a big hoax. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I could not agree more. There has been no evidence of this uh, at all from even the beginning of it. It didn't even make sense. And now I, I they're just they're literally shoving even more the narrative down our throats, not in the hopes of proving that there's Russian collusion, but more just to save the reputation because they spent two years gambling on something, which I think they knew wasn't real. They were just being told by the people who signed their checks to push it. And now their credibility is shot that they're put going even harder in the pain to prove some, some weird kind of shady backdoor stuff that doesn't even exist still. And Robert Mueller's being pushed out and again to say, well, I didn't say there was no obstruction and blah, 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 just to buy more credibility. Uh, what I don't believe is how 2 million people still watch MSNBC, including the woman I sleep with every night. <laughs> I come home all the time and it's on and to the point where it's like, I'm thinking about faking my own death to get out of this relationship. Well, okay, you know that that might be a good idea. Uh, you know, let let's go let's go back to the history of this a little bit. So, um, you know, the the news media in America has gotten increasingly more sensationalist over the years. And let's say ten years ago or so, you had on Fox News, um, you had Glenn Beck, and Glenn Beck made a tremendous impression because he would go on TV and he would cry. And he'd, be, he'd, be, he'd go on a chalkboard and he'd connect the dots in some bizarre way. And this got a lot of ratings and it, it was all conspiracy theories. But it, it did very, very well for, for Fox. And he was taking his act directly from Alex Jones. Alex Jones is kind of the progenitor of this type of broadcasting, which mixes conspiracy theories with news, with highly charged, highly emotional presenter. Alex Jones is goes, you know, does crazy things, but it, you know, drives millions of views. And if you remember, Trump's first stop on his media campaign leading up to 2016 was on Alex Jones. I mean, that was amazing. That was his first media stop was Alex Jones. Okay, flash forward to the elections over or leading up to the election and MSNBC, the ratings are horrible. They're about to go out of business. And the word comes down from management. You, we need somebody to out Alex Jones, Alex Jones. And that somebody was Rachel Maddow. Rachel Maddow is, is the female version of Alex Jones. Every single night is wall-to-wall -wall conspiracy theories. 
she cries, she carries on, she gets emotional, oh and the ratings God, yep. go through the go through the roof. And right? she just so that's lies constantly lies. And I mean, like, not that Alex Jones is the most honest dude in the world. We've had him on the show. He's a gentleman when I met him. I mean, but we know what he does. He just, you know, he's a, uh, he puts on a show like a pro wrestler, you know, and that's what she does. I, I can't believe she has 2 million viewers. I, what does it take for you not to trust the person who is supposedly giving you the news? I know major comedians and comedians tend to be the most paranoid people I know who thanked Rachel Meadows for teaching them about U.S. history. I'm like, you're talking about a very attractive lesbian who has the same haircut <laughs> as Sean Hannity. What are we doing here? Right. I, you know, uh, this is um, MSNBC. Of course, now the ratings have collapsed because once this Russiagate hoax was exposed, uh, CNN and MSNBC ratings have collapsed. And they now the inheritor of those ratings are Fox News. Now, Sean Hannity's number one in cable news again. And so the pendulum has swung back to Fox News. And the Democrats have lost two years, you know, leading up to 2020. They have no candidates that are they, they've got nothing. They've just completely wasted two years of political capital. And um, they're, they're not going to stop. They're going to keep doubling down on this insanity, even though it, it's proven to be a loser. And, you know, this is just uh, remarkable that they're going to not even try to win 2020. If they were going to try, they would take a different approach. Like, uh, I mean, what if, what if they're meant to lose? What if they're the Washington generals? If they're taking money from the same people as the Republicans, maybe they're meant to lose this fight. And this is all being done to purposely lose and disenfranchise the liberal movement or whatever you want to call that side that is challenges the conservative or the status quo. I mean, we have a very short short memory in this t in this country where and you know as conspiracy theorists as much as i i love the community and i'm a part of it we keep saying that this like fisa gate is the worst thing in american history when we forget that basically everybody lied about 9 11 and weapons of mass destruction and fox news was the pipe piper of that lie yet you know nobody seems to remember that and they did conservative, like censorship, which is a big issue right now. Censorship before was right to left or conservative to liberal book burning relationships, interracial dating, all the language you could use was all from the conservatives to the liberal side. And now it's going the other way before it used to be morals. Now it's based on feelings. Okay. And now it's going the other way. And they seem to completely forget about that. Maybe this is all meant to be a loss. Well, first of all, the the Washington Generals, that is a Harlem Globetrotters reference? Yes. Okay. I, I, I would have gone with Toronto Maple Leafs. Okay, I'm one. fine with that. I'm fine with that. Uh, they, they appear incapable of winning uh, a Stanley Cup now for 50 years. Uh, to all your Canadian viewers, uh, that's probably going to take another 50 years. They yeah. don't, they're seeming <laughs> completely incapable of winning uh, at that level. But anyway, moving along, so... This is uh, you can go down this uh, idea where they're meant to lose. And then there's like you peeling back the layers of, of the onion and you're coming up with a conspiracy within a conspiracy. There's there's another way to look at this that I that I see. And that is that what I call ratings versus data. So in the in the Democratic camp, they think about ratings. And remember, Les Moonves of CBS said that if, even though he hates Trump, it's great for ratings. And MSNBC are, are ratings driven 
And and the Democrats tend to be uh, aligned with Hollywood types and television and movie stars, and they're all very sensitive to ratings, whereas Trump looks at the data. He's a former casino guy. He's a reality TV guy. He looks at the data, and he knows that when people you take a poll of people and you ask them, what are your top 10 or 15 concerns in the country? Russia comes in dead last. So he knows that if he can, if he can provoke Maddow, <laughs> with 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 by getting her, you know, in Russia they had they came up with this phrase during the Soviet time of the useful idiot. So Maddow becomes Trump's useful idiot. Wow. He he typically gets her all frothy uh, about these Russia conspiracy, and he and he drops breadcrumbs for her, and she goes nuts on every night on MSNBC because he knows the data tells him it doesn't mean anything, that as long as he's not questioned about the actual issues that could impact his election, he's happy to get the mainstream media obsessed over something that he knows the majority of the population doesn't care about. Well, okay. I couldn't agree. That's a, I, The Useful Idiot is a wonderful, sure. that is just the name of this episode. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to get into things that people do care about, and that is the economy. And where we are going, everything is basically pointing towards a major collapse. Uh, I'm hearing the housing market's about to collapse. The dollar's about to collapse. What is going on and where should we start, Max? You start with uh, 2008. So in 2008, the world economy had essentially a cardiac arrest. You had what's called a credit freeze. So banks were not lending to banks. So interest rates on bank lending, which is very short overnight lending, went up dramatically. And so you had the global economy, which is based on lending, banks lending to each other and making more loans, and it's based on debt. It came to a grinding halt. So now to try to get the economy going again under Barack Obama, they authorized a three-quarters of a trillion dollar TARP bailout one day and that quickly escalated they've now basically printed up to 17 trillion dollars worth of money a bailout money that have gone to the banks now to give you to put that in the context the, the entire u.s economy is roughly 17 trillion dollars so they they printed the entire u.s economy's worth of free money and gave it to the banks and what have the banks done since 2008 well we know that they have not lent it to businesses because there's another number you can track called bank uh, money velocity, which tracks how fast the money goes through the system, and that continues to go down to record lows. So what are they doing with the money? They're keeping it for themselves, and they're paying themselves bonuses. They're buying back their own stock. Jamie Dimon becomes a billionaire. The guys at Goldman Sachs become billionaires, just taking the money from the government that's supposed to go into getting the economy started, but just keeping it for themselves. Now, part two is that the bank balance sheets are keep getting more uh, exaggerated and enormous um, where you've got hundreds of billions and many trillions worth of debt on these banks balance sheets that that is many, many times more than the equity of the bank itself. And that that debt since 2008 has grown almost exponentially. Now, here we are in 2019. And those, the banks are starting to fall apart again. So we know that Deutsche Bank in Germany is on the verge of collapse. And it, they, that could very well be the next Lehman Brothers, 
where you have a oh, one man. bank, right, sets off a chain reaction. And at this time, instead of having to print a three quarters of a trillion dollars to bail out the system, they would have to print 50 to 60 trillion dollars to keep the system going. Or you have a collapse, as you pointed out, which is the more likely scenario. And you and, and the economy goes into a severe contraction, a very severe contraction, Sam, not to be alarmist. But if you just look at the numbers, it would be quite horrific. Oh, my God. So. So like world depression, like uh, the like this depression, isn't like just bad? like the United States, but this is a global one. Right. Just like a, 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 a around the world or is if, if the United States economy collapse, all all economies collapse. Well, the U.S. is key because the U.S. The, the globe works on the U.S. dollar as world reserve currency. And for example, how that works is commodities like oil are priced only in dollars. If Japan wants to buy oil, they have to buy dollars first. If if uh, countries around the world, in the Saudi Arabia, et cetera, if they want to buy commodities, they have to buy dollars first and then buy the commodities. That's the deal that was made after World War II, that you have a global economy that's tied to the U.S. dollar. So the U.S. dollar is tied to the U.S. Federal Reserve Bank, and the U.S. Federal Reserve Bank is now leveraged 60 to 1, over 50 to 60 to 1. That may, And they are on the verge of declaring insolvency. So then if the dollar goes bust, then you have a global bust. So it is global, but it, it is tied to the U.S. dollar. The U.S. dollar is still the underlying reserve currency for all banks everywhere. And it's on it, it has um, it, it's it, it is um, extremely precarious, uh, the current situation. So we're talking basically the petrodollar at this point, but not just in oil, but in in a lot of different markets. But in particularly, oil seems to be what everything is connected to. And a lot of this, um, a lot of this war in the Middle East is based off uh, people wanting to get off the petrodollar, uh, wanting to trade in. Uh, basically, Libya wanted to start this an African monetary unit that they would trade their oils on. Saddam Hussein wanted to trade his uh, oil in. Um, didn't want to get off the U.S. dollar, maybe into the pound. I forget which one it was, but and now we have China. They're now selling their oil or they're buying oil in their monetary unit. Uh, it's all based off the petrodollar. Is that what we're talking about? That, that's exactly right. You know, I, uh, that's it's exactly right. So since the 19, early 1970s and the introduction of the petrodollar, you have uh, those exact relationships as you just described them were in place, and now they're coming. They're coming apart. So um, China is now doing deals outside of the U.S. dollar. They're doing deals, bilateral deals, directly with Russia and Iran. And as you point out, Libya, Iraq, and Iran have all tried to price their energy in something other than the U.S. dollars. And, of course, Iraq was invaded and Saddam was hung. Uh, Libya was t- torched and turned into a terrorist state. And Iran is, of course, you know, are, uh, is currently in the crosshairs of the U.S. Pentagon, primarily because of this oil issue, as you point out. But uh, meanwhile, here's another interesting kind of background to what's going on in the last 10 years. And this gets back to, you know, RT and our reporting on RT. We've been, sent, we've been reporting now for 10 years that Bank of uh, China and the Central Bank of Russia have been very aggressively buying gold. And they've been buying hundreds of tons of gold. 
And, and the point is that they are getting ready for a dollar collapse because when the dollar collapses, gold will skyrocket. And so they're already preparing for that. An economy like Russia has virtually no debt at all. And they now have the third or fourth biggest gold reserve in the world. China has in the top three gold reserves in the world. They're doing deals together. They want to create a landmass connecting Eurasia and Europe. Germany is now talking in ways that would indicate that they are less really our allies than they have been since World War II. Yeah. They're siding more with Russia in the east because they get most of their energy from that side. Plus, um, there's a tremendous... Um, controversy right now over a Chinese telecommunication company called Huawei, yep. and um, the U.S. is trying to tell Germany that they can't do business with, with uh, this Chinese telecom company, even though the Huawei has the best technology in the world right now. They have the 5G technology, and um, people will now want to go. They, they're leading in innovation. So the U.S. is trying to tell Germany what to do, and Germany is saying, wait a minute, you know, it was just like a few years ago, you hacked Merkel, our leader's phone. Remember the NSA hacked her phone. And they're like, what are you trying to tell us how to run our telephone business? And you're hacking us left and right. So you don't have no place to tell us how to do our business. So the bottom line is, as you point out, all those relationships are breaking apart. The dollar is losing its status. And, and that is very, very bad for the dollar. The way that we would experience that in the U.S. is that we would have a lot of inflation. So gas would go from 3 or $4 a gallon to 8 9 or $10 a gallon. Oh, uh, my God. Right. Well, we already saw it um, a few years ago when oil got to 147 a barrel. Remember, gas got to $5, $6 a gallon. And America is very unsophisticated when it comes to this type of price reaction. Remember, there were people in the exurbs, uh, you know, beyond the suburbs in their SUVs. They ran out of gas and they were calling 911 and saying, help me, help me. I've run out of gas. I don't know what to do. That, that's how unprepared we are. Uh, for a, an oil price shock like this. Yep. Uh, yep. I mean, it's I we live in a bubble and what we've created is this this thing where they are bombarding us with useless information so that we don't pay attention to anything else going on. Now, you're talking about people wanting to shift from US allies to other uh I Israel recently gave a giant port to China uh for China to uh, control. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, before getting to that, let me just mention that uh, RT News, because of this fake Russiagate hoax and Rus Russophobia, a lot of Americans don't hear what goes on on RT, like my show, for example. You know, in 2011, I was pounding the table and telling people to buy Bitcoin when it was $1. I got to buy Bitcoin, dude. I got to buy it. Okay. Or it was one dollar. Do it. So I have, there are people all over the world. You know, it goes out to 100 countries. People in, who, who get RT who became millionaires. I, I've made probably two or 300,000 millionaires what? from people who put. Yeah. They just put. All you had to do is put a few hundred dollars into Bitcoin at a dollar. It went to 20,000. What's it up to now? It's now uh, $8,500. It got to 20,000. Right. So because there's such a moratorium on RT, people in America missed out on this where people in all over the world, they got teenagers, people 
kids who are 13 years old become millionaires because they watch my show <laughs> and they put like their uh, their their lunch money into bitcoin and now they're millionaires but you know americans are like no we don't want to hear any any of this news because we can't handle anything if it doesn't come out of the mouth of rachel maddow you know we just can't handle it i don't want to become a millionaire i don't want to know what's going on around the world i want to live in a bubble i want to be broke i want to be an opiate addict i want to be a junk food junkie i don't want to be alive anymore i want to be dead i want to kill myself in america <laughs> yeah man it is a wonderful time to be alive and everybody's depressed and because they're just not not realizing that there are ways out and i, I dude i've been people have been telling me about bitcoin forever I got to pull the trigger. I get a little nervous that when the, if the internet gets shut down, how am I going to get my Bitcoin? Well, now because of a company called Blockstream, they're broadcasting it over satellites. Ah. All right, dude. How many, how many do you think I should buy? Two or three Bitcoins? The best way to do it is to just every day buy a few bucks. There's, you know, um, you know that that app called Square? Yeah. It's by Jack Dorsey. Yeah. He, he's the guy behind Twitter. Yeah. He has an app called the Cash, the Cash app. Yes. And you can you can just buy five dollars worth of Bitcoin and do it every day. Just build it up over a year. You know, every day after a year time, you know, you got you, you put a few thousand into it maybe, and then suddenly it's at fifty thousand dollars a coin. My my target for the coin price is a hundred thousand dollars. Okay. It's currently eighty eighty four hundred. <laughs> So I go hot real quick. So our listeners can hear this and they will join us. We go on what app? Oh, it's the cash app. Okay. Cash app. And we, and we, and there's something where you could buy Bitcoin on there. That, yeah, it's uh, it, it looks like a green, the icon for the app is green okay, with a little right. dollar sign on it. I have it right here. Yep. Okay. So you download that app and, and you can, uh, I think you just tie it to a credit card. And you load it up with five bucks or ten bucks or fifty bucks, and you can just buy you can just buy Bitcoin. They they sold something like fifty million dollars worth of Bitcoin last quarter. Some some big number. It's becoming quite huge. It's very easy to do. You can sell it if you want to. This if you want to, you can move it out of there if you want to. Right. And um, how much you buying? Yeah, you know, it's very popular. Oh, I um, see. I can't find where to do it on it. Did I'll, you download the app? Yeah, I got the Cash App right here. All right. Did you download it? I'm opening up my side here. I see mine. I open it up and uh, I click on my icon. Okay. I got that. And Oh, there it is. Okay. Where it says Bitcoin. Boom. You see Bitcoin? Yes. Okay. There you go. You look so excited. I have. I'm going to start buying some Bitcoin, dog. You look should. at this. Look at this. Hard in the See, pit. that's what your show, you see, your show is better than Joe Rogan's show because... <laughs> Joe I'm, Rogan had that idiot uh, Peter Schiff on, <laughs> and he had he told him how to buy gold, and gold's not going anywhere. Okay, oh, you're listening. going to be buying Bitcoin. I'm buying five hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin right now. It's getting bought. Do it. Do it. Here we go. Let's see if I bought it. To complete, confirm. Yes. Yes. Confirm. Confirm. Okay, my lead. Okay, we'll do this after. Okay. Um, but wait up! You just said gold isn't going anywhere. Well, not compared to Bitcoin. I mean, gold is is pro- is going to do well as the dollar collapses, but Bitcoin is going to do ten to twenty times better. Okay. How? Uh, where do I go to get gold? Goldmoney.com. Goldmoney.com. Look that up too. 
We should hit them up. Yeah, goldmoney.com is the best place to buy gold. You know what else they have? They have a really cool um, jewelry section where they sell 24-carat jewelry. And it, let's say if you buy a ring for 500 bucks, it's made out of 24-carat gold. And so it is the price of the gold would be exactly what the spot price is on the on the on the cash market in the on the exchange. Right. So if you bought if you bought your ring for five hundred dollars, and let's say gold goes from the current price of thirteen hundred dollars to fourteen hundred dollars, you can go into the account and it'll say exactly what your ring is worth in in today's gold price. And if you want, you can sell it back to the company. Really? At that price. Oh man, this is the best episode ever. I'm looking yeah. so much. I'm prepping. <laughs> I'm prepping. I'm going to get ready you for want, laughs. If you're concerned about, you know, the internet going down and cyber war, et cetera, and you want to buy gold to protect from a dollar collapse, okay, that's fine. Can't argue with that. Go to gold money. You, you buy gold. You buy gold jewelry. You're all co- you're, you're, you're set. Go to the cash app. Get some Bitcoin. Now you're cruising, buddy. You know, you're ready for the collapse. You're ready for the Armageddon. <laughs> you're, you're working it. Dude, I just bought some Bitcoin. I'm so excited. I own Bitcoin, Man. dude. Boom. How often are you going to check Bitcoin's price now? I'm just going to keep buying Bitcoin. Every time <laughs> when I uh when I was on a uh stand I had a show on Spike TV, every time I got a check from there, I go to the strip bar and get a lap dance. No more lap dances. Every time I get a check, boom, we're buying more and more Bitcoin, dude. I'm going to load up on this thing. I love just it. Just think about if if you put that lap dance money into Bitcoin five years, <laughs> you'd, have, you'd have 150 million dollars. Oh my god! Don't even say that, dude. I would be so excited, dude. Um, so I want to get into this. We've uh, you've talked a little bit about the Federal Reserve, man. Yeah, and we've had discuss- We've heard Trump saying thing. Listen, man, this is conspiracy show. Uh, I call it spiritual skepticism of the unofficial reported news. Um. We, we, you know, we battle white hat, black hat. I don't like talk about those terms. Good guy, bad guy. I mean, he is in the office of war criminals. Um, what do you, do you think there's any chance this guy tries to take on the Federal Reserve? Yeah, I think there's a chance, you know, because, but then again, his election, his re-election definitely is tied to the stock market. And so the stock and the stock market runs on cheap money from the Fed. So he would want cheap money from the Fed, certainly leading up to 2020. After that, I think that if he it, it could he might be persuaded to look at the Fed as as really the the the, the reason why you have so many economic problems in the U.S. because you can't have a system where the central bank prints money and just gives it to a few people and doesn't let it circulate in the overall economy. You know, that's what happened. That's why some, that's why you had that wealth and income gap is because the, the money's not circulating. And so that's a problem. And the problem is at the fed. So you need to either redesign the fed or you need to eliminate the fed or make the fed do what they're supposed to do. Uh, and that is raise interest rates sometimes to even out how the economy works. But they never do that. They're constantly cutting rates because they are in a very, very difficult position. You know, as, as we mentioned before, these banks have these enormous balance sheets basically made up of hundreds of billions and trillions of dollars worth of debt. And that debt has to be rolled over every single day. 
and they don't make enough money in their business to, to do that. So they have to keep borrowing this free money from the Fed. It's a Ponzi scheme. It's an enormous Ponzi scheme. The U.S. banking system and the global banking system is a Ponzi scheme. And if you cut off the money from the central banks, these banks would have to declare insolvency within 24 hours. And then you'd have the worst financial crash in history. So they, they're in a really tight spot. They can't cut the money off. But then again, the rest of the world is looking at this and saying, you know what? We don't want to take the risk of having America blow up. So we're buying gold. And the central banks have been buying more gold now than they have in 50 years. And they're getting ready for a dollar collapse. So if Trump were to look at the big picture, you know, he would be more proactive and try to take care of this problem. Um, that would be, I think, I would, I would think he would be more in a position to look at it, let's say, than a Hillary Clinton or some traditional politician who I think is, or, or Barack Obama was really financially illiterate. You know, Barack Obama, in a lot of ways, was responsible for the crisis because when the, when the, when there was that 2008 crash, instead of bailing out the debtors, which has always been the story throughout history, is that the debtors get bailed out. You have debt jubilees, yes. people who are in debt. They get bailed out. Barack Obama orchestrated really for the, probably the first time ever where the creditors got bailed out. The banks who made the bad loans, they got bailed out, whereas everyone else got screwed. So that was a complete reverse of what economics and what history would tell you you should do. But that's what he did. And he set up this horrible situation that we're in now. Now, whether Trump learns from that, I mean, I think he's in a slightly better position because he's not a career politician, uh, but the chances are still not very good. Uh, would you, um, would you, if you had a time machine, go back in time and fight Woodrow Wilson, like on that, <laughs> on that Christmas Eve where he was about to give us the uh, Federal Reserve and the personal income tax and become the worst president. When I saw that Woodrow Wilson, someone put out something that Nobel Peace Prizes, a part of it is to whitewash the cabal's uh, 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 war crimes. And when I saw, because they asked me, hey, go down the list and look at these people, and you'll see some pretty shady shit. And one of them was Woodrow Wilson, who I consider, as bad as the Bushes were, and as bad as the Clintons were, uh, the worst president in the history of this country. What he did by giving us the Federal Reserve and personal income tax when not in war, usually personal income tax was during war times. Uh, not now. Now it's all the time and uh would you fight him is he the worst president well he's certainly the the federal reserve bank uh was an abomination and you know benjamin franklin when asked about the revolution and the american revolution said one of the reasons why america decided to separate from england was to get away from the bank of england because the bank of england was a central bank that was destroying the money. And that's why in the Constitution, it says explicitly that money can only be gold or silver. So uh, then this, we were able to keep that central bank out of the U.S. for a while. But then in 1913, the, the players that are in the global banking system and the Bank of England and others finally got into the U.S. system and brought on the Federal Reserve Bank. And that was really the beginning of... Um, the, the, a lot of problems and um uh, is the answer would we be better off if that never happened of course yeah we would be a lot better off if that never happened that that is a uh, a horrible 
kind of um, give back of power from the United States back to the empire of debt that's managed by the worst crooks in the world that the central banks. Um, the bank, uh, real quick, I want to get into two things. Uh, uh, fractional reserve banking is set up to bribe everybody, buy them, buy their souls with funny monopoly money, and then once everyone's bought and sold, because you keep all the real wealth to yourself, the actual, they say of all the wealth in the world, uh, 20% of it is actually tangible real wealth. The rest of it is this fractional reserve banking, which I I believe was used to just completely buy off the system. Everybody's getting bribed with funny money. It's like playing, you know, a Monopoly with your younger brother who doesn't understand the rules and you're just grabbing purple and blue and orange money and just throwing it at him and he thinks he's rich and he doesn't realize you just bought him with fake cash. Uh, it was set up to be the system, right? Would you agree on that or am I just talking crazy or more crazy? Well, than I mean, here's... People make some assumptions about banks. So people think that if you go into the bank and you borrow money, that it, you, that money comes from reserves. That, okay, if uh, I put $100,000 in the bank and, and you come in and you borrow, you know, um, $100,000, that it's, it's basically they are lending money that's on reserve. But that's false. That, that's not absolutely false. When, when you borrow money from a bank, let's say you borrow half a million dollars for a mortgage, what the way that that more money comes into being is the bank pushes a button and five hundred thousand dollars appears. They print it on the spot. There's no reserve at all, and banks have virtually no reserve. There's no reserve at the bank. As a matter of fact, they have negative reserves. That's the problem. They have they're in, they're te- technically insolvent. All the major banks have negative net worths. They they have less than zero money. So it's beyond fractional reserve. It's zero. It's negative reserve. There, there's absolutely. If like, if you were to take all the assets of J.P. Morgan and you were to sell them at the market at the fair market price, you would be left with a pile of dog shit. <laughs> That's it. They have nothing. Absolutely. Neither does Goldman Sachs. Neither does Citibank. Neither does Bank de Perry or HSBC or Lloyd's. They have negative reserves. And every single day they trade with each other in the overnight market to make it look like there's something going on, but it's a hologram of money. They actually have nothing, but they get paid fees based on how many times they can trade the same thing over and over again. You know, the Hollywood out there in Los Angeles, the, the, the movie industry, the executives get paid by how big the budget is, not if the, not if the movie makes money, right? Yeah. So the banks get paid on how many of these fake loans they can make. Not if they make any money as a bank. They don't make any money as a bank. They're losing money every single second of every single day. But they pay themselves based on all that fraudulent loans. They get a cut. And then in 2008, it came to a halt. And literally, you had people were saying justifiably that the world had come to an end. The banking industry had come to a dead stop. And it took an emergency meeting from Tim Geithner and the people in the Federal Reserve and the banking industry to come together. And they changed all the laws overnight. Goldman Sachs went from becoming an investment bank to a pure bank. And suddenly, without any oversight whatsoever or any congressional approval, they all just changed all the laws overnight. They gave themselves three quarters of a trillion dollars in a one paragraph memo with no conditions attached. 
And then that became 15 to 16 trillion dollars. And then what did they do with that money? They kept it. They didn't lend it out. They didn't create the economy. The, the economy's never been in more debt. But they bought uh, on Billionaire's Row in Manhattan. They're paid $200 million for an apartment. Ken Griffith over there, Citadel Capital, hedge fund. Guess who just joined the board of Citadel Capital? Ben Bernanke, the former head of the central bank. Oh, my it's God. The biggest- it's just scum after scum. These fucking lizard people. <laughs> These goddamn yeah. lizard people, and they're just, they're reptilian brains, and just nobody goes to jail. I got people on the internet flipping out about the Clintons being uh, hauled off on perp walks, and they're not even caring that nobody went to jail from the collapse which Goldman Sachs helped facilitate by uh, making a real estate portfolio they knew was going to collapse and they took insurance out on it and they collapsed the economy. For an insurance- Wait, Sam, let, let, let's follow up with that Goldman Sachs for a second. Not only did they know that it was going to collapse, but they packaged the fake bonds into a security, sold those to their clients, and then sold their clients short, knowing that their clients would go broke and profited on their clients going broke. How is that the stuff. legal? Well, that's the thing. Anytime they get caught, they go to Washington and they lobby to have the laws changed. I'll give you another example. So Uber, they just became a public company, right? Oh, God. Right? Yeah. They just listed on the exchange. It was just an initial public offering. So it came out during the offering that Uber was conducting what are called naked short sales which up until 2015 was illegal. But now suddenly it's, it's legal again. And what it means is that the bank, Morgan Stanley in this case, they priced the deal of, on Uber. They priced it too high. So when it started trading publicly, the stock started to crash. So now what Morgan Stanley did was they started counterfeiting shares that didn't exist. Oh my they God. sold those shares in the market uh, to drive the price down and then they bought them back at the lower price at a profit. It's called covering a short sale. But they did so with stocks that they counterfeited on the spot. So they were printing counterfeit stock, selling it to drive, manipulate the price, buying it back cheaper to book a profit. And uh, they went away uh, with a bag full of money. And meanwhile, all the people invested on the IPO got hammered. So it was just a complete crime. It's a complete racket. This complete- just happened. Just happened two weeks ago. And nobody's saying anything? It's covered in the Wall Street Journal and the Financial Times, but you don't want to hear about it on MSNBC or CNN. So Uber just effed everybody, and nobody's talking about it. Morgan Stanley. Oh, my God, Basically did that. Now, I talk about it on my show, but I'm on RT. So as as I explained, RT is considered to be, um, you know, the mouthpiece of, of the devil, and you can't listen to that. Uh, but if you had, you would have known this has been going on for years. Oh, my God, dude. So, I, I mean, like, what kind of we what kind of financial fucking system can we have where people are openly looting their investors? That's exactly right. They're openly looting their investors. That's exactly right. I mean, That's like, a, so so here's the here's. 
Like I'm a we- I'm a weirdo because I'm not part of any group. There's some things I'm socialist on, and there's some things I'm libertarian on. And these people go nuts when I say this because the libertarians are like you can't be socialist. You're either libertarian or you're not. Well, there are things I am socialist on, and there are things I'm libertarian on. One thing I'm libertarian on is a. Uh, um, Fee of entry, which they like to do. They like to burden our doctors with all this financial debt so they can't do work on their own. They have to play ball. I'm against that, that fee of entry. But what what drives me nuts about libertarians, and I'm going to get pounded for saying this, but I, after hearing this, I, I believe it even more, is like you can't have deregulation without a collapse of some sort. And a collapse is coming every time you have a deregulation. Max, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Like, if you want to stop this, you have to outlaw the bailout. Because what, what, what libertarians tell me is you're against the bailout. Well, you're just deregulating. You're not having any laws that say we can't, we're not going to bail you out. You have to do that first. Then if you want to deregulate, because I think most deregulations should be what Jimmy Dore says should be called fucking protections. If they were called protections, we'd have a different reaction to it. But regulation, they would like whenever you, they bring up regulation, they're always talking about like, oh, I want to put a pat uh, a fucking patio on my house. I need a million different just uh, permits. Yes, we agree on that. That is wrong. There's too much of that and that is done on purpose, okay? Because these fucking locals are fucking frauds and they're trying to jack us for cash. But we keep seeing these bailouts when you do all this deregulation. What is your take on that? Or what is your answer to a libertarian? You may be a libertarian. What is your thoughts on that? Well, the the, the free market capitalism, it goes back to the Enlightenment and the works of Adam Smith. Of course, he wrote Wealth of Nations. And in that book, he describes the invisible hand and that the uh, everyone is greedy, but everyone's greed ends up turning into mutually beneficial price. And that price is, is one that's relatively cheap and it fosters economic growth. Okay, that is Adam Smith. That is free market capitalism. That's, uh, but he also wrote a book called The Sentiment of Mor- the Moral Sentiments, which he says explicitly that whenever you put a bunch of capitalists into a room, they're going to collude. Yeah. And he said you need regulation because capitalists will always price fix and they'll always collude. So you need regulations. Regulations, you know, you, you know, it's like if, if Wall Street didn't have regulations, it's like Catholicism without hell. <laughs> right? You basically, yeah. Don't even you need to have guardrails. You need to have stoplights. You need to have base. You need to have baseball have rules, right? And, and when the market crashed in 1929, there was. Uh, the Securities Act of 33 and 34. Now, I was a stockbroker on Wall Street for many years, uh, from 1982 to 1990. And I know the Securities Act of 33 and 34 quite well. I had to know it very well as a licensed stockbroker. And those laws are put into place to take away all the abuses that were happening in the 20s that led to the crash. For example, you put in Glass-Steagall to separate commercial banks from investment banks. Well, what was done when... Citigroup bought Travelers Insurance. They decided they wanted to have an enormous 
um, a, a conglomerate run by Jamie Dimon. So they simply overrun Glass-Steagall, and then they got rid of Glass-Steagall. Yeah. Uh, under, under Clinton, they got rid of the Commodity Futures Modernization Act, or they introduced the Commodity Futures Modernization Act, which, trans, which transferred the classification of derivatives from gambling instruments, which they should be, to investment products. So now suddenly they were regulated or deregulated in a completely different way. And suddenly the derivatives market became a multi-hundred billion trillion dollar market is the derivatives market. You know, the derivatives market is is really actually it has a nominal value in the quadrillions. And, you know, and the global economy is worth maybe 60 trillion GDP. And yet you have these financial derivatives worth a quadrillion that are um always that potentially can destroy the economy if something goes wrong, as that has more than once. So, yeah, you need regulation. So as libertarianism, I, I agree with you that the libertarians believe that markets fix everything, which is false. And uh, they don't understand the history of economics or capitalism. We don't really have capitalism today. We have what I think is more closely associated with a kleptocracy. You have kleptocrats at the top who are looting and then a lot of wannabe kleptocrats who are also looting. And then you have a middle class that pays for it all, and they're disappearing. Then you have a lot of heroin addicts. Yeah. I mean, dude, that's all done. I mean, like, dude, I believe everything's done. For, I, I say it a million times, and I know people are like, oh, he's going up. But it's like the the free I – mean, I mean, we have Woodrow Wilson's worst, the two Bushes together, tag team champions, and then we have the Clintons, and people don't realize, like, how devastating the Clintons were. They were so happy to get uh, the internet and not have to deal with Ronald Reagan anymore, that they were just uh, uh, Reaganomics, that they celebrate these Clintons like they're wonderful people. Like, my sponsor in my 12-step program is gay, and he loves saying how homophobic Trump is, and but he's a Clinton fan, and like I want, I, I want to go, the Defense of Marriage Act was a, a, a straight-up outlaw of uh, gay marriage, but they don't care about that. Nobody cares about that. They, they just want pro-wrestling bullshit. And when you sit down and you talk about the deregulation of the banks by the Clintons, uh, by Bill Clinton, and we all know his wife had her hands firmly shoved up his ass like Jeff fucking Dunham, okay? Um, she had a just as much say into it. Like, I, the, the, what we're feeling right now in this country are direct results of policies passed by the Clinton administration, in my opinion. Deregulation of banks, uh, the, 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 the super predator crime bills, and the flooding of drugs is just a continuation of um, the Iran-Contra affair. And, you know, we just had Obama kind of get busted for protecting Hezbollah for selling drugs in the United States. Like, how do the drugs get in? Well, it's the people whose job it is to protect us from the drugs. Let, and that's the CIA. And they're, they're pulled all the jobs out of the markets with free trade, sent them elsewhere where they pay a dollar for a day's work. And now they're flooding the markets. We saw it with the ghettos, the hoods, uh, with crack. And now they're doing it in farmer towns and uh, small uh, small towns. And they're flooding it with heroin. And we're seeing that. Now it's the poor and middle class whites that are being affected. And it wasn't right when it was the black community. And it's not right when it's now. But it's all done systematically. Right. Well, to, get, to cover the Clintons, so if you remember, Hillary Clinton was after some health care reform in their first term. 
and um, of course it scared the healthcare lobby tremendously, and they got Wall Street to crash the bond market, to scare the Clintons into submission. I remember Bill Clinton said when he dies and comes back, he wants to come back as the bond market because the bond market has all the power. That's after he got beat up by Wall Street that crashed the market to get Hillary to stop talking about health care. Now, if you go further back, Hillary Clinton, of course, you can look this up. It's kind of an interesting story. When he was still governor in Arkansas, she had something like $1,000, turned it into $100,000 in trading commodities. And the way she did that was using an old Wall Street trick called the look-back trade. And, you know, I can explain how you can artificially make profits quite easily uh, on Wall Street using this technique. And she rapidly got, you know, $100,000 in in the bank. And that launched their political campaign was through manipulation of the agricultural markets uh, at that time. That's how she started her career was manipulating uh, futures markets. That's how Hillary Clinton began her political career. And she got beat up by Wall Street. Robert Rubin, of course, is uh, the arch, uh, you know, uh, enemy of free markets, and uh, they got Clintons to kowtow and deregulate. That's how we got reelected. They said, we'll support you to get elected at a second term, but you have to deregulate. You have to get um, reclassify all these derivatives now in a new way. And uh, yes, I agree with you. They are one of the single most potent forces in making giving Wall Street unfettered, unlimited power and now, whenever they want to do what they want to do, they can always threaten to crash the economy. They did so in 2008 when the Congress balked and said, we weren't going to give you the money. They crashed the stock market the next day. Then Congress gave them the money. So you have the, they, they have the ability to crash the market at any time if they want to get whatever they want. They are holding the economy hostage, and they are making billions of dollars, and they buy Medigliani's for $180 million. They buy... Uh, apartments on Billionaire's Row for $230 uh, million, uh, et cetera, et cetera, because they are gangsters, they're racketeers, they're not libertarians, they're not capitalists. It's a mafia racket. Okay, so what, I, what that, thank you. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable what we've done. I, I believe that we are in a place right now, Max, where we are, yeah. uh, um, we have taxation without representation. We are at that point where we are paying our taxes, which we have to or else they throw us into jail and fucking physically and psychologically beat the fuck out of us in jail so that no one else does it again. And they are using our tax dollars to fund wars for international bankers. You know, I put out something that about how this abortion bill by Alabama, which is hilarious that we're letting a, a state that is... Bottom five in economics, their economy's bottom five, and in education, determine what women can do with their bodies. These are people who can't even, they're not even succeeding in life. Why are you telling me who we should be able to bring in this world when you're failing miserably at it? You should not be telling us what to do. Okay, but we have all this, all this like smokescreen stuff. Not to, not to know that we are go- might be going in their eighth or ninth war. Nobody wants more war bailouts. We don't get the vote on that. We don't get the vote on any of this stuff. And everybody keeps talking about socialism and oh Greece, you got bailout Greece. What are we doing with China? I mean, we are taking money from China, and China is actively plotting to overthrow us in terms of world domination. We are fucked. What's going to happen? Well, China, 
China was, you know, some, somebody high up in the China government was just t- tweeting, mocking Boeing as having planes that are faulty with faulty parts mm-hmm. and, and just making fun of potentially tragic circumstances where people are going to die on those Boeing planes. They're making fun of it. They're joking. They're mocking us openly. Well, they are. They they got a bill, two billion people. I mean, they don't give a shit. <laughs> they can lose. Well, their innovation, the innovation cycle is uh, is in China is is now is taken is past the United States. So here's here's one of the interesting facts that, that happens economically is that when America when, when China joined the World Trade Organization under Clinton, by the way, uh, and we exported millions and millions of jobs to China. And the way we got away with that was saying, well, you know, they're going to do all the, the, the basic factory jobs, but it's all going to be designed in America. And we're going to keep the high end products we're going, to get the, we're going to get the big share of the money. You know, Apple phones are designed in California, but they're built in China. Yeah. But we know historically that whoever does the actual building who's on the factory floor building stuff, they're the ones that eventually become leaders in innovation. So now here we are 20 years later and China now is leading the world in innovation as well as the production. And the U.S. has lost its edge. It's no longer cutting edge technology in the U.S. It's now in China because that's one of the downsides of giving all of your manufacturing capacity to China. So we had this great period where our incomes were going down because our jobs are going to China. But the products that we were importing from China were a lot cheaper than they would have been otherwise. So we had the illusion that our quality of life was not going down because even though my salary was going down, the cost of a flat screen TV was even cheaper. The cost of food from Vietnam was even cheaper. I go to Walmart. It's 90 percent Chinese made. I'm making a lot less than I was five years ago, but it's, it's a lot cheaper. So I don't really feel like my quality of life is is going down until suddenly what we have now, the dollar no longer is a world reserve currency. Suddenly gas is eight or nine dollars a gallon. Suddenly food is double. Suddenly clothes are triple. And then you're like, what happened? What happened? Well, you know, it took 20 years, but you you took your economy and you gave it away. That's what happened. Well, you know what? Uh, Mexico, their president just said if Trump keeps up with this five percent tariff that he's going to send all, all the product to China. He's not dealing with Trump. He's like, why the fuck are you putting a 5% tax tariff because people are crossing the border? That's your fault. We go back to the cartel. Why is there... Yeah, because the people drugs, want to leave. Yeah, yeah the CIA you, runs the drug trade and they want to fucking... They, they don't want to legalize it in Mexico because then they can't have the corner on the market. Yep. So, I, so I, I am somebody who's like not necessarily anti-tariff. I think people hate tariffs because it sounds like terrorism and taxes <laughs> had a baby. But... Because I think at some point the market gets maxed. Now, this kid's an idiot because he said he would spend a billion dollars on sneakers. But a little older, right, it's like if his sneakers go over a certain price, I'm like, I'm not buying your sneakers. And it eventually hurts them. But am I wrong on that? That They eat it on their end or is it going to be us that eats the whole thing? What happens is Trump, when he came into office, said clearly that he's anti-globalization and he used those terms he said i'm i'm really anti-globalization so what does that mean that means that for the up until trump for the previous 40 or 50 years we were in a period of globalization the u.s dollar was world reserve currency and banks around the world had to buy dollars to participate in the global economy the dollar supply kept going up and the idea was that there was this big economic pie around the world and there were no 
losers. It was everyone was a winner because the pie just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And that was called monetarism. And that was called the post-war era of globalization. So Trump comes into office and he says, you know what? Our deals are horrible. We're going to start deglobalization. So what this means is you're no longer in an era of monetarism and it's no longer the idea that the pie keeps on getting bigger. Now it's about winners and losers. Now it's about what used to be called mercantilism, where each country now is in it for themselves. Each country is competing with every other country to for economic supremacy. And so there's a lot of tension, a lot of tariffs, and it's extraordinarily tense right now because China is saying to America, we're now doing business outside of the dollar. We're in bed with Germany. We're in bed with Russia. Russia obviously is saying, you know, we'd love to do deals with America because that's how we grow our economy. But you guys keep painting us with this brush that makes us out to be bad guys. So we're just going to forget about you guys. We're going to just do China and Russia. And so now the world is splitting apart. So then then it becomes a moment of, let's say it's a global global poker game. And okay, now China's going to call. They're like, okay, America, I see your trillion dollar tariff and I raise you two trillion and I call you. So now everyone's got to show their hand. So what hand is America holding exactly? They won't have the world reserve currency. Their energy is overstated because it's all fracking and fracking only lasts five years. Whereas in Saudi Arabia, the wells last 50 years, 60 years, and it costs $2 a gallon. Fracking gas in America costs $60, $70 of the equivalent oh of the barrel. It only God. lasts for five years. Oh we have no energy. God. We have no manufacturing. We have no education. Infant mortality is up and the life expectancy is down. So we come to the global poker game in the year 2020. We say, we're holding a pair of twos. What do you got, China? <laughs> yeah. And China says, well, we got three aces. We're fucked, man. And it's all because a bunch of fucking people at the top got greedy and they're Benedict Arnold's and they sold us out to some international bankers who are probably trying to play China, but I think that's going to blow in their fa- blow up in their face. So the, what the, the, the economy crashes, what happens? What's going to happen after? You have um, a lot of um, dislocations. I mean, for if you're asking how to protect yourself, you know, we covered it before. The way to protect yourself would be with gold and Bitcoin because anything, it's, we're going to go back to hard money. You have to have hard money like gold, silver, or Bitcoin. And um, you're going to have a just, it's hard to predict because it's, it's like an avalanche. You know, it's hard to predict that one snowflake hits the, hits the mountaintop and then you have an avalanche and it's really hard to predict. It's systemic chaos. Because the system is so leveraged, there's so much debt. You know, nobody knew that it would it would be Lehman Brothers going under. Remember, when Lehman Brothers went bankrupt, the at, at first it was just the idea that well, this one bank on Wall Street, it's quite bad that it went bankrupt, but it's going to be contained. But within three months, six months, it became a global financial crisis because of the contagion effect. So that contagion effect is is there. We just don't know exactly what the spark is that's going to set the avalanche and this whole thing, House of Cards, blow up. And since it will be virtually impossible to bail out the banks this time, 
I, I think, you know, you just got to understand that um, they're they, – you got to – you know, I'm, I don't want to be an alarmist and, and, and get – Alarm away, dude. Them. Let's wake motherfuckers up and get them prepared. <laughs> well, it, it's it, – the economy is extremely fragile in that it, 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 it relies entirely on this – let me let me let me throw something else out there to kind of like give you an idea of how messed up this all is. In economics, for hundreds of years, you know, since the Bank of England was uh, 1694, you had the Enlightenment. You had uh, 1776. You had uh, Adam Smith wrote the Wealth of Nations, and you know, in the entire history of economics, you've never ever had a concept of a negative interest bond until 10 years ago. So a negative interest bond is is that countries are selling their bonds with a negative interest. They're you're guaranteed to lose money. They 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 pay not only do they not pay anything, they they guaranteed to lose money. There's now in the world 11 trillion dollars of negative interest bonds. And that number is growing every day. The only reason they exist is to scalp money from the real economy to keep these insolvent banks alive. The Ponzi scheme has gone, has become a weaponized. It's like Bernie Madoff with an atomic weapon. That's what our negative interest rate is. Let me just and it's growing like a plague in the, in the US economy. Pretty soon, you go to your bank account there in Los Angeles, and they'll say, thanks for banking with us. By the way, starting today, every single month, we're gonna take 20 bucks out of your account because we need to pay our bond credit, we, our creditors, and we're at, we don't have any money. If and I have money like, in well, a bank, right, can they stop me from pulling it out? Yeah, because once you put money in the bank, it's no longer your money. It's the bank's money. Oh, no, dude. <laughs> I am freaking out right now. By law, it's not your money anymore. Oh, once you put it, that money in the bank, by law, it, you, the, it's the bank owns that money. So uh, you credit have union, same you thing? have federal FDIC insurance, but it's only good for I think the current coverage is maybe two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. But uh, so they can take anything above that right away. Of course, that would be gone in a heartbeat. And then the remaining cash would be also quite difficult to get your hands on if the banks in free fall, oh, as it will be. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. I am. Uh, well, I think we learned a lot today. And I think that uh, I think if you're listening, you should really start looking to get into Bitcoin and get into gold. I'll put the apps uh, in the description. One more time, what is the gold app that we could use? Gold money. Gold money. We're gonna look into that and get it going. Uh, Max, can you tell them where they can find you and where you want them to look into? Don't don't look for me. I, you can't find me. <laughs> I'm invisible. Uh, this is my hologram. I don't uh, exist. I'm from the future, and this is uh, a transmission from a parallel dimension. Okay. I, I'm actually not here. Well, I love you to death, Max. I know we this first time we talked, but, man, I would love to know when you're in L.A. next time. I'd love to have you in studio, and we could talk about a million other things. And if you're in town and you want to go to the world-famous comedy store, please don't hesitate to email me. I'd love to put you on the guest list and get you in any time. Uh, I'll give you one last uh, thing to think about. Okay. You go to YouTube, yeah, and search Max Kaiser plus plus uh, Jerry Seinfeld. All right, that would be. And the you homework. will see you will see a clip of me in 1977 on stage at the comic strip in New York City, mm. being introduced by Jerry Seinfeld before I do my act. I love that, dude. I love that. <laughs> <laughs>
I love that, man. I didn't know you were a comic. Well, please come out and hang out, and we'll uh, maybe we'll get you back on stage, dude. You never know, man. You never know. We do some tinfoil hats. I'd love to have you on that, man. Conspiracy podcast comedy night, dude. We do a little comedy, and then we talk conspiracies. I might have to I feel the, the yucks are coming. Yes, dude. Yes, dude. <laughs> Max, you're a G. I appreciate you. Thank you for coming on. We'll definitely do this again. It was an honor and a privilege, and we will talk to everybody soon. Uh, guys, the book of the month is uh, uh, Confessions of an Economic Hitman. You, it's not available at bookstores. You've got to buy it on the internet and have it sent to you. Uh, we're, I'm reading it right now, and we're going to discuss it at the end of the month. I will talk to you guys soon, and take care, XG. Hey, do you got any gigs? Nope, just wherever you got me at. So okay. Same shit. We're going to do it soon. Take care, everybody. Take care.